Thank God for this morning. Uh, thank God for all that we have and all the opportunities we have to continue to do what we love doing. What do we love doing? We want to do God's will. And sometimes that's easier than other times. Sometimes it's clearer than other times. I'm sure you've prayed that prayer many, many times. Lord, what's your will in this? You know, what would you have me do here? You know, it's it's one of those those deep desires of Christians that uh, we want to be able to know this is God's will. What's reassuring and what's comforting for us is that the Lord is our shepherd, isn't he? And the shepherd doesn't abandon his sheep. The shepherd doesn't leave his sheep to uh, um, uh, to get to be lost in, in all that they're going through. But the shepherd does what a shepherd does faithfully, and that's to continue to guide his sheep. There is so much to be thankful for, and we need to be able to always be uh, discerning for what the Lord is doing in our lives. Um, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit about our young people in the church. You know, yep, Friday night was was youth group, and I pray that it was a blessing uh, blessing for you guys. And again, I'm, I'm very I'm very encouraged that you guys log on to to youth group. You know, it's beautiful. Uh, the fact that you do that online is beautiful. You know, the fact that you could just be finding something else to do, but the fact that it is out, it is online, it is youth group. And you're committed to going to that. You know, that is, again, a wonderful thing, praise the Lord. And I was thinking this morning how young people, really, you are a light today in a world where um, there is a lot of confusion and a lot of anxieties and a lot of fears around what's going on, lockdown and other things. And you can just very gently and very kindly and very lovingly just be a light. Just the very peace that you have amongst your own generation. Just the very reassurance that God's in control. Even if you don't talk about all the controversial and debatable matters, even if you don't go there with that, just your very peace and your kindness to your friends and your care for them while they're probably very anxious, just that, just that in itself is a real testimony of your faith and in your love in Jesus Christ. So, so continue to, uh, to, to ground yourself in the things of the Lord and find your peace in the things of of the Lord. Continue to pray for your youth leaders. You know, they need your prayers as well. So pray for them. Continue to pray. Continue to encourage them. Continue to support them um, in, in all the things that um, they're, they're doing as well. But so, and continue to look out for one another as young people in a time that is, yeah, again, um, full of uncertainties. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And no matter how young you are, you are still the light of the world because you love Jesus. And that's that's how beautiful. You go to a dark room and you don't need a big floodlight to see where you're going. You go to a dark room, even the smallest of lights can help you to see where you're going. But don't ever minimise the light you are, young people. Don't ever minimise how, how effective and powerful your light is. Though you might see yourself young, you're still a very powerful light for Jesus. So I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for God's word this morning. And I pray that uh, your hearts are ready to hear what the Lord has to say. There's quite a few scriptures I'd like to read out to you this morning. I pray that you can remain attentive, remain focused. I know it's hard, but I pray that you are really encouraged by his spirit and by his power uh, to go off and continue to live the life that Jesus Christ has called you to live. So pray with me this morning, pray for our young people, and we'll pray for the word as it is shared. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for everything that you provide for us. And thanks for the opportunity, even on this forum, to, to hear your word and to, 
to hear your worship and to come and reflect on the things that uh, you want to share with us. Father, we trust and believe that it is your word and your word is very powerful. Father, we pray for our young people. We do pray that they continue to be strengthened in the things of the Lord. That, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, they continue to be a light to their friends, that they continue to show the care and the love of Jesus, that they would continue to stand in righteousness and holiness. They would be, Lord God, truly uh, um, a great hope to a world sometimes that feels very hopeless. Father, strengthen them and strengthen their, their leaders they may continue to shine with great truth and your love. Father, we pray for everyone in our fellowship that, uh, that needs prayer this morning or for those that we know that need prayer this morning. We pray for those who are hurting or perhaps grieving this morning. We pray for those, Lord God, who are suffering in some ways. We pray, Lord, as your children that you continue to strengthen them and empower them and, and shower them with your love and your grace. They may know your presence this morning. And, Father, we pray for your word. Uh, it's not my word, Lord, it's your word. And we just pray this morning that you would um, uh, communicate it as it ought to be communicated, Father, and it may be received with open hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Guys, I want to just, um, before we start, I want to just go back to one of the songs that we heard this morning, um, the Never, Never Turning Back song. And I want to just... Um, just share with you that first, the first slide, the first slide of that song. Um, some of you, I hope, some of you, I hope, were were re, um, well reading, yeah, but also singing this song. Uh, some of you, I hope, were worshiping this song. But I want us to, as I do from sometimes, I like us just to reflect for a moment on this song, and listen to what the words are saying. Listen to what you're singing to God. Listen to what your faith is, what your belief is, what your conviction is. When the Lord Jesus Christ called you and went and looked for you like a one sheep gone astray and he put you on his shoulders and he brought you back, that was a commitment from the Lord Jesus Christ to look after you the rest of your life. Have you in his hand, nobody can snatch you, to hear his voice and to follow him. That was the absolute commitment from the Lord Jesus Christ that the devil is powerless against. He's absolutely powerless against the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so look at the commitment we have to Jesus. Listen to these. This, this is your faith. This is your commitment. This is like your promise to the one that you love. You say never turning back, never turning back to the way things were. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Isn't that a great confidence? I'm not going back to the way I was. I'm not going back to the way I lived. I'm not going back to the talking the way I talked, acted the way I acted, watched the things I watched. I'm not going back to the behaviour I used to behave in. I'm not going back to the addictions I had. I'm not going back to this because these things brought me down. These things drew me away from Jesus. These things did not know the love of God. I'm stronger now than I was before. You know, it's interesting because any Christian that says I'm stronger now than the way I was before is fooling themselves. Any Christian who thinks this is fooling themselves because they're only stronger because of the grace of God. They're only stronger because the spirit of God is in them. They're only stronger because their hope rests and lies in the power of the cross. And the reason they can say that they're stronger today than they were before is not because somehow they've learned a new strategy, but because they have simple faith in Jesus. They have simple faith that says, Lord, I can't 
but you can. And because you can, it will. And this is why God is so perfect in all that he does, stripping us of all our self-efforts only to replace it with the power of his love. I hear the sound that freedom brings. How glorious is that? Oh, I hear it. I hear it preached. I hear it when I, hear it when I read it. I hear it when I listen to certain music. I, I hear it when I reflect and I meditate. I hear it when I experience it and I taste it. I hear the sound that freedom brings. I, I, I know that it's, it, this is looking good and it's only going to get better. And if you've been Christian many, many years, you think, oh, yeah, that's not my experience. Well, that's not what I judge things by. Sorry, I love you, but that's not what I judge things by. I don't judge things by your experience. I judge things by the word of God. And so I hear, and when I read the scriptures, I hear the sound that freedom brings. And that is my hope. That is my rest. And that is my confidence. It's ringing loud. Now I am free. It's ringing loud. Today I walk in this freedom. Today I get a taste of what Jesus did on the cross. To lift my eyes for grace is alive because not me, not my efforts, not my, not my abilities, but because grace is alive. And all, the, and all the things that surround you every day, all the fears of what's going on around you every day and all the things that you anticipate or that you become anxious about, you've got to remember that they're all in the future. You've got to remember that these things haven't happened yet. What you've got to do is trust God today. Don't be anxious about today. Let God deal with what happens in the future. Let God deal with this. Let your rest lie in the arms of the Lord. So he was in the boat and the, and the storms were rough, but the boat wasn't going down as long as he was in the boat. And this is your confidence, brothers and sisters, your confidence of loving God and loving one another. And this is the beauty of the church, the beauty of the church to work and to be strong and to stand in the way of the Lord. Listen to the sounds of freedom. And I pray this morning that you can hear something of the sounds of freedom when we think about the shepherd of your soul. There's been quite a few words that I've looked at so far in Psalm 23 verses 1 to 3. And today I pray that I can, I can kind of wrap it up and, and, and finish this this little mini study on the, on the beginning of Psalm 23. But I've used words like relationship, provision, promise, peace, restoration, direction, and I've got two more for you today. Last week, we, this whole idea of, of um, peace last week, green pastures, the promise that God is going to lead us to green pastures. Though not every day may feel like this, that is not an indication that the green pastures are no longer yours anymore. The green pasture is just around the corner. It's believing that the shepherd of our soul, though sometimes we journey through like a wilderness, the shepherd knows that beyond that wilderness is green pasture for you. Trust him in the wilderness. Trust him in the dry land. Trust him in the thirsty land because it's only a matter of time that the green pasture is there. He leads me besides this green pasture. 
We spoke about this as a sense of peace. We spoke about restoration last week, the whole idea that he restores my soul, the whole idea that there is no, listen carefully, that there is no soul too damaged for God to mend and heal. Do you know that? Give me any soul. I've heard a lot of stories over the years. A lot of people have confided in me. A lot of people have shared their life with me. And I've heard a lot of stories, and some of the stories have broken my heart to listen to what people have gone through. But no soul is too damaged to have the healing hand of the Lord at work. And that's why I think sometimes the Bible gives us stories about people. It gives us stories that Jesus intervened and worked and, and, and brought about a healing of some kind to, in order for us to, uh, to, to have a hope in our hearts, to believe with total confidence that though today you feel the way you do feel, it's only because it's today. Tomorrow is different. Listen to this, listen to this story from Mark 5. I'm just going to read it for you. This very short story. Remember the man who was inflicted with many things, so inflicted that he lived in the tombs. He lived in a cemetery. That's a pretty bad state to be in, isn't it? Isolated, among the dead, um, uh, um, looked upon in some ways as, as maybe um, a, a, a loss, no hope, marginalised damaged, so damaged that he found his home in the cemetery and on top of all that, possessed. And the Bible says this, he lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. You know, not a good state to be in that they even tried to bind him because perhaps they were afraid of him. He was so damaged. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he, he was always crying out and, and, and cutting himself with stone. Perhaps he was crying out and, and cutting himself because he wanted some relief from the pain and the anguish he experienced from the loneliness and the despair, from the inner turmoil that was damaged. Perhaps we have no idea of this man's background and what happened. But all he found himself was crying out and cutting himself because he was done with trying to relieve himself. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man. And then what Jesus, sorry, sorry and I've, I've jumped the story. What happens, he, he, he interacts with Jesus and Jesus heals him. Jesus heals him. And what I want to focus on just briefly is this verse. And they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man and the one who had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. <laughs> That's an interesting verse, part of the verse in itself. I want to focus on this. Perhaps the most damaged, lost man, Jesus intervened and found him. They found him in his right mind because this is the hope of Christ. He restores my soul. 
Now, I'm not saying that everyone who's in this state is demon-possessed. I'm just saying he's a man in a very bad condition, but not beyond the hand of God, not beyond the power of God. And I go back to my first point. There is no soul that is damaged too far for the healing of God. And so he restores my soul. He restores my soul. I bring it before him. And whether it's instantly or whether it's over time, he restores my soul. It's my hope. It's my faith. It's my belief. It's my conviction. It's the word of God. And then he says, and the other word I gave you last week was direction because he leads me. He leads me. And today we're going to talk about where he leads me. But what we know is that he leads me to a better life of some kind. He leads me to a better life. Now, we know the Bible, uh, now we know that people are always seeking a better life. We know that. I think this is God's design to put it in people that they want to better themselves. They want to somehow improve themselves. And, and have a think about yourself. Have a think about how in the past you've tried to better yourself, how you've tried to improve yourself, what things you've done to make yourself a better person. But for the Christian, it's slightly different. And though we're constantly trying to find our ways, find ways to better ourselves, our bettering ourselves isn't about ourselves. Our bettering ourselves is about coming closer into the image of Christ. And though we might better ourselves in other areas, whether it's you know in skills and education and work, and we want to get better in the things that we do, which is which is fantastic and noble and right and proper for us to do. Ultimately, what the Christian is doing is is bettering themselves in order to become like their savior. And so, what the top, what the um, what the Bible says is that is that he leads me. Now, listen, he leads me where, verse three to paths of righteousness. And the seventh word is righteousness. Righteousness. What a beautiful topic. We could spend weeks and weeks and weeks on this topic we call righteousness. But listen, he leads me along, as the scripture says, uh, the highway, the highway of holiness. And we could speak. We could speak a lot about the paths of righteousness and the highways of holiness. We could speak a lot about these things. But what is the scripture? What can we focus on this morning? What what could you take away this morning from what the the psalmist is, is saying? Let me share some reflections on this. He leads me, he leads me firstly in the paths of righteousness. You know, um, we have, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of people in the church with lots of different personalities. Isn't that beautiful? There are people who are more funny than other people. There are people who are more quiet than other people. There are people who are more, um, uh, they, they speak more than other people. There's all different types of personalities. There are people in the church, in our church, who have all kinds of different hobbies. People who like to do this more than that. People who like to cook more than run. I don't know. But all different types of all types of, of hobbies. There are people in our church with all kinds of different skills. You know, I would never, well, I, I, I don't think I will ever be able to play the guitar like Tony does. In fact, I reckon I'll never be able to play the guitar like Tony does. I'll, I'll never be able to sing as well as Alana does. I, 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 don't, I just, there are different skills, you know. I'll never be able to cook as amazingly as my wife does. 
know, they're all different skills, you know, because we put our time into things and we 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 develop, and some things are just even natural than other more than other people as well. We are all different in different ways, but listen, there is one righteousness. And even if we're all very different in all the things that we do and everything that we are, are we all doing the one thing, and that is walking in the footsteps of Christ? I don't mind if you like something more than this. I don't mind if you do things differently to me. I don't mind if you have a different hobby than me or have a different interest to me or you can do things better than me. I don't mind that because we're all very different. But are we all walking in the footsteps of Christ? That's what I mind. Because what Paul said to the Corinthians church is very simple. He says, I don't want to know anything else among you but Christ and him crucified. Tell me what's going on in your church. Does it reflect Christ and him crucified? Tell me something about your behaviour. Does it reflect Christ and his crucified? Tell me something about what you enjoy doing. Is it a reflection of Christ and him crucified? What are you doing? Are you being Christ and him crucified? And so we are all very different, but the one question, and let's go and be different, but the one question is this, are you walking as Christ walked? In everything that you're doing, are you walking as the Lord would walk? Are you speaking and acting the way the Lord speaks and acts? That's what I'm interested in. Because the scripture tells me not he leads me down some particular interest. That's just me. I have an interest. That's how I may be born. But what he leads me down is paths of righteousness. And nothing, nothing should get in the way of this. Nothing ought to become an obstacle to this to this righteousness. It's very simple, brothers and sisters. What I'm trying to say is this. There is no excuse for sin. There is no excuse for sin. He died. When we look at righteousness, he died for this. When we look at righteousness, he rose for this. When we look at righteousness, He gave his spirit for this. When we look at righteousness, he leads me to this. It's everything he's about. Everything he's about moulding us and shaping us to become the image of Christ. How do I know that? (laughs) Because the scripture tells me this. How do I know this? It's because the scripture encourages me like this. You see, I don't base it on someone's experience. I don't interpret the word of God through my experience. I don't interpret the word of God through your experience. I interpret my experience through the word of God. I interpret I interpret the, my experience based on the word of God, not the other way around. So if someone says to me, I can't do this, I say, okay, I understand you can't do this. I get it. You can't do it. A lot of times in my life I feel like I can't do something. But what does the word of God say? And that becomes my hope. That becomes my rock and that becomes my foundation. And so all of a sudden what the word of God says becomes everything that I depend on. Otherwise, where am I going to go? Am I going to go to someone who seems to know what they're talking about, who tells me that it's not possible, or am I going to go to the word of God who gives me hope, great hope, that all things can be done through Christ who strengthens me? Listen to these scriptures. Paul says in Romans, what shall we say then, Romans 6, what shall we say then? 
Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Think about that. Paul says, he asks the question. It's the question that people ask today. It's really interesting. It's almost like the Spirit of God put it there because he knows it's going to be the the question that's going to um, uh, cover all generations to come. Paul says, are we going to continue in sin so that grace can abound? Are we going to be covered by this grace and therefore we can go off and do what we want to do all the time? And his, and his answer is strong. He says, like, God forbid, or by no means. Paul knows quite, quite clearly that the call to righteousness is a call away from something else, never turning back to the way things were. I'm stronger now than I was before. I hear the sounds that freedom brings. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here, no, by no means that's not the case. How shall, how can we who died, sorry, died to sin still live in it? It's, it's, it's just logical. Now, Paul's not saying here die in the, in the sense the physical body, that it dies and therefore you're free from sin. No, he's talking about the coming of the end of yourself, the end, the relinquishing of, of self and your will for the sake of God's will. This is, the, this is the power of God. And Paul says very simply that if you die to self, if you come to the end of self, if you relinquish your will for the sake of the will of God, he said this is the power of God, that no longer do you have to live in sin. But what people get stuck on is this idea of coming to the end of themselves and what they get confused with is the idea is that their experience says to them i'm not i'm not feeling it and all of a sudden their faith is weakened because of this rather than to be strengthened in the word of god he leads me in paths of righteousness he restores my soul and i'm not worried if it doesn't happen instantly for you what i'm saying to you is the faith is the faith to believe that God is doing this work, that there is no excuse for sin. There is no justification. There is no ability for us to say, oh, it's okay because we're under grace. If that was just one verse in the Bible and I was preaching it and I was really pounding this verse, then I would expect people to be critical of me. But it's not the only verse. And it's not the spirit of scripture from the beginning of time. Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the spirit. Walk by the spirit. Yeah, what are we doing? We're walking by the spirit of God, not our power, not our strength, but the spirit of God. Walk by the spirit. And I think when we walk by the spirit, what we're doing is we're walking humbly before the Lord. We're walking selfless before the Lord. We're walking without an air of attitude or pride about us. We're walking humbly in God. And so we're walking by the spirit of God because the spirit of God is leading the humble man or the humble woman. The Spirit of God is leading the one who has come to the end of themselves and the Spirit of God is, is, is guiding their paths. And the Bible says, walk by the Spirit and you, listen carefully, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Praise God. That's my addition. Praise God. You shall not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
My flesh wants to do something. My flesh wants to say something. The flesh is basically another way of the Bible talking about our old nature, our man, our, uh, the part of us that is bent towards wrong. And what the Bible's saying here, if I walk in the spirit, if I walk humbly before my God, if I walk uh, faithfully before my God, the Bible says that I will not fulfill or gratify the desires of the flesh because my flesh sometimes screams to want to do things that's not of the Lord. But if I walk in the spirit, then it won't happen. It won't be fulfilled. Yes, there'll be temptation, but it won't be fulfilled. Because he leads me in the paths of righteousness. He takes me in that direction. He doesn't send me off because the, the GPS is broken off the another direction. He sends me in the right direction. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Listen, the Bible does not say, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you may not gratify the desires of the flesh or it's possible that you'll resist the desires of the flesh. Does it say that? Does it say, and if you're lucky, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh? And if it's a good day, you might be able to resist. No, God is faithful to his promises. Walk in the spirit. Walk by the spirit. And you shall not satisfy or gratify the desires of the flesh. When I want to speak evil about someone, I walk in the spirit. <clears throat> when I want to... Uh, become envious of someone, I'll walk in the spirit. If my heart begins to hate someone, I'll walk in the spirit. This is the promise of God. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That's what a shepherd does. Listen to this other one from Romans 6. For one who has died, <clears throat> the Bible says, for one who has died, has been set free from sin. Brothers and sisters, listen. This verse has to go beyond the head. Many Christians can quote this verse, but it's got to be real. The one who has died, again, not physically, to themselves, so longer I who live, Christ lives in me. The one who has died has been set free from sin. If someone's set free, they're not bound to it. They're not compelled to do what it asks it to do, asks them to do. They're not a slave to it. When sin, when sin says, come here, it says, no, I'm not coming here. I'm not going there. Because they're not bound to this. They don't go and commit this sin because Though it may scream at them and demand them to come, they say, you've got nothing over me because I'm, I'm dead to myself. I'm alive to Christ. Reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ and others. And others we can share. Why do I share this? Well, there's a few reasons. But, but for the purpose of this morning, because this is the faithful shepherd. He leads us in paths of righteousness. This isn't a church preaching it. This isn't a slant of a doctrine. This is the word of God. This isn't an emphasis or a preference 
of all nation Christian fellowship. This is the word of God. And so we don't join a club. We are members of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is the king and he reigns and he rules and he draws us to become like him. This is where there's freedom. This is where there's love for one another. This is where we don't become, um, we're able to, our love, for, our love for each other is strengthened because we're free from all selfishness. I wonder sometimes why, what the concern is. You know, we, <clears throat> we preach things like this and, um, and I wonder why people get concerned in the community. What is it they're worried about? In fact, when I preach something like this, what are you hearing me say? What are you understanding me that I'm saying? Are you hearing sinless perfection? As if I don't even know what people mean by that sometimes. What do people get so concerned about when the word of God is simply preached? Does the Bible say that there is a temptation that's too strong for us? Does the Bible, or does the Bible say that there is no temptation that's overtaking you that is not common to man, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability? But with the temptation, and there will be temptations, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure, 1 Corinthians 10. So what are you hearing me say? Are you hearing me say that you've got to be some sort of person that is above everyone else? No. Are you hearing me say that you won't feel temptation anymore? No. Or are you hearing me say that you no longer have to be bound to your sin? Yes. You can say no because you are dead to self and he leads you down the paths of righteousness. Are you dead to life? Not at all. You go, you do life, everything according to God's will. I don't know, brothers and sisters, but where, where is there more hope? Where is there more hope? If I say to you, you it's okay. If I say to you, where, where, where would you feel more hope? If I said to you something like, um, uh, it's okay, you will always sin, don't panic. Or if I say to you, hey, it's okay because you will overcome sin. Where's there more, where, where is there more hope? When I'm sick of what I'm doing, if someone said to me, it's okay, bro, it's okay, bro, his grace covers you. If I'm sick of it, I'm sick of the damage it's causing me and other people. And someone says, it's okay, God's grace, he covers you. It's not wrong. But is that hope? Or is hope, bro, it's okay because there's victory for you. That's the hope. Why? Because that's the scripture. When Jesus said to the woman, caught in adultery, and, and all her accusers has left, and he said, go and sin no more to her. Did he say, go and listen, if it happens again, come back, I'll be here? It wasn't not wrong for him to have said that. It's not wrong for him to have said, if it happens again, hey, come here, I'm here. But what's the message? What's the gospel? What's the power? What's the cross, the resurrection, the spirit all about? Go and sin no more. 
It doesn't discount the fact that, that there is forgiveness in Christ. That's truth. You can't, I can't take that away from Scripture. Come, if you come and you bring your sin, he forgives. But hope, mess, the message, the gospel is go sin no more. And I can only imagine even now the devil trying to weaken this message somehow and to somehow cause doubt and, and, and to somehow make you feel like you can't or it's not true or that's strange rather than to confront yourself and say, hey, I'm done with what I'm doing. And I come because he leads me, so he leads me to paths of righteousness. It's like there's a shift of faith. It's a shift of a focus because we get up every day now not just trusting Jesus that he's going to forgive my sin because we get up trusting that Jesus can forgive my sin, but we get up believing that if I lay down my life and I present myself a living sacrifice, that he will not just forgive my sin, but he will free me from my sin because I come and present myself a living sacrifice. I don't understand. How does a living sacrifice end up bound to sin? A, living, a, a dead sacrifice, living sacrifice, bound to sin. doesn't make sense. But we come believing every day that if I present myself a living sacrifice, then I trust that I can be free from sin because he leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? Because he's a faithful shepherd. He's a faithful shepherd. There is no favoritism with the shepherd. I don't believe a shepherd looks at all his sheep and says, oh, he's cuter than him and, and I'm going to help him more than her and, and, and I like the way his ears are and therefore I'll, I'll take special care. I don't think that's how a shepherd thinks about it. The shepherd cares for his sheep and there is no favoritism. It's not a doctrine for some Christians. It's not a belief for some of you and others are too damaged. No, there is no soul too damaged for the healing of the Lord. He restores my soul. Amen. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Amen. This is for every sheep who trusts in the voice of the shepherd and follows him. This is hope, brothers and sisters. He leads me where? In paths of righteousness. We Stop making excuses and we trust his word and we believe in what he's doing. And then finally, number eight, glory. Glory. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, I love this verse, for his name's sake. Glory. Isn't it beautiful? When we come as Christians to an understanding that this whole existence, this whole life I call Christianity, and, and, and as non-Christians as well, but let's just focus on the believer, this whole life and this whole existence of what I call Christianity and being a Christian, that when it comes to the end of the day, it all comes back to one thing, the glory of God. Heaven is going to be the climax of the glory of God. 
Everything you see is going to represent the glory of God. No sun and 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 uh, moon, so the glory of God shines. Everything, everything is going to be the glory of God. And even till this, even today, how we live and what we do, He restores our soul. He leads us to green pastures. He takes us to still waters. He leads us to paths of righteousness. He directs my steps. Everything, everything for his name's sake. Because here's the truth. As much as he loves us, it's never been about us. And that's a bit hard to understand because it is about us and that he came for us. But at the end of the day, as much as he loves us, it all comes back to the glory of God because this is who we worship. It's the glory of God. And I pray that God gives you insight to what I'm trying to say here because it comes back to the glory of God. Everything that happens is driven by the glory of God. The very breath of man, the very existence of this earth, the very plan and purpose, the destination where it's going to, this place we call today earth and where we, everything, this little time he's given us, everything exists for the glory of God. And what we have today as Christians is particularly special because even angels desire to look into this. We call grace. This glory is remarkable because this glory is not, um, um, this glory is not, uh, some wow factor. This glory is not some, um, you know, like, for example, you know, it, it can be mistaken to think when we think of the glory of God, it might be mistaken to think it's some amazing thing that we're just blown away by. You know, we see some missionary who goes into some remote area to a people who are, who are going to, who are known for killing missionaries and all of a sudden he converts the whole village. That's the glory of God, 100%. But that's not what we're waiting for, for the glory of God. The glory of God isn't a wow factor in itself. The glory, though it is wow, it's not like we're not waiting to be bowled over. The glory of God is very simple. Look at something. Is that God? Is that God? When I backbite, is that God? When I get jealous, is that God? When I gossip, is that God? When I swear, is that God? When I lose my temper, is that God? Think about it. Is it God? If I lie, is it God? All these things that when you look at them, you say, it's not God, then what you're simply saying is, it's not the glory of God, because that's what God is. God cannot be separated from his glory. That's why the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, not fall short of being great missionaries. But everything that represents God is the glory of God. God isn't like that's God and that's his glory and that's his righteousness. God is God. So he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me because at the end of the day, it glorifies him. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't walk around saying, hey, look, at my right, look at my left hand and my right hand did. Hey, look at me, you know, the other day I did this and, well, you got to check me out because we don't live like that. I know we don't do that, but in our hearts, we don't live like that. We do it all for the glory of God. 
and our desires for people to see God, even when things aren't going well for us. We don't want to um, represent the Lord wrongly. Is that what happens? Even when people we're dealing with are being unreasonable, other workers in the community or people we work with are being unreasonable, unhelpful, even in those moments we don't want to uh, lose the glory of God. We still want to represent the glory of God, even as we navigate to try and still get the right outcome. And even though those conversations can get a little bit tense at times, even in those moments we're wanting to guard the glory of God. Amen. The Apostle Paul, when he became a Christian, we know spent, I think it was about three years with the Lord. And then as he was coming back and mingling, beginning to mingle with the other Christians, there were some Christians who were quite suspicious of him because remember, he used to, uh, he was known for being responsible for the death of Christians or for the persecution of Christians. And he writes in Galatians this, he says, though only we're hearing it said about these people, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. They saw the change in his life. And it's interesting because when we hear and we and we listen to the changes in people's lives, it's interesting how some people um, become really excited, some people become really suspicious, some people become really almost afraid, like that man in the, that we read early on, that they were afraid. But they glorified God because they saw the change of God in him. Because it's all about God. They didn't glorify Paul. They didn't put Paul on a pedestal. They didn't say, come, Paul, come, Paul, be my church. They glorified God. I'll end with this. 1 Corinthians 6. The Apostle Paul says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Did you know that? Look after your body. Yeah, look after it. It's the temple of your Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. Listen carefully. For you were bought with a price. Isn't that beautiful? To some, this might be scary. To some, what is God saying? I, I don't own myself. Someone possesses me. Well, you can think about it like that and interpret it in a, in a scary, wrong way. But, yeah, God purchased us with his blood. God owns us by his love. God shepherds us because he cares. God protects us because that's who he is. We are the apple of his eye. We are his love. He's um, the one he came looking for. 
we are the pearl, if you like, of great price, or if we are the, uh, sorry, rather the, 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 the coin that was lost. He comes looking. We are like a gem for him. But it says that we are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body and spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Because we are his, because we are bought at a price, because we're no longer our own, the command is very simple. The instruction is very simple. Glorify God. Make it your life to make it about him. Glorify him. And when self gets in the way, ask yourself, what, why, why is self getting in the way here when it's about God? Because the Lord is our shepherd. That, that Because of that, I shall not want. Yeah? He, he makes me lie down in green paths. He takes me to still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And because of all these things, I can trust him. I can love him. I can obey him. I can fix my eyes on him. I can hold on to him. I can glorify him. And I pray, brothers and sisters, that what happens is that um, you're able to look perhaps and re-look at this passage and to understand and to know just who he is and who you are and find great rest, listen, for great, no, and great rest and purpose in this, but great power in knowing the shepherd that you follow after. Let me pray for us this morning. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, for, for being a faithful shepherd, for carrying us, for leading us, for restoring us, for directing us, Lord, for the peace you give us, for the righteousness you give us, Lord. You are our good shepherd. You take us safely to a place where we need to be, and you guard us against the enemy. Father, I pray that our hope and our rest is found in you and in your word, that we continue to love you, that we continue to love each other, that we continue to take care of each other, your body. And I pray that you may continue to work in all of us, all may see the glory of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.